We're in a, a series called Regift, and the idea is that Christ supplies us with these things hope and peace and joy and love. And he, He's the center candle, and on Christmas Eve, we, we light that as kind of a representation of, of Jesus. And th- this morning, we're talking about Christ as our joy. And if you look in your, in your bulletin, like on your notes, there's a spot where you normally fill out what the point of the sermon is. And I've written on there, I don't have a point. Okay? Now, that's the point for the morning. You can ponder that and memorize it if you want. But let, let, me, let me just tell you what, what happened to me this week. And then, and then it'll maybe give you some insight into what's going on. I started going through how I normally do in a sermon to try and get this idea that we get so much joy from Christ that we re-gift it, that we, we pass it on. And I, I wanted to connect this joy with my own life. And so I just started thinking of all the times in my life when there was joy. And, um, you know, Lisa and I, we dated for six years and then got married and, and, um, on my wedding night day, there was this sense of joy, this sense of like, wow. But there was also like this sense of fear. Not, not in a bad, not like, did I pick the right person? I, I knew that. But there was a sense of kind of enormity, like of permanence, of, of like, Man, this is huge. And so I asked Lisa when I was going over this this week, I said, hey, you know, on, at our wedding, like, you know, did you have like a little sense of fear? She's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, neither did I. <laughs> I, I no, that was really cool. I, that's what I was, that was my point, was that just not a trace of it anywhere. Uh, no, it was like, and then, and then um, when we had our first child, um, we're in the hospital and like the, there's the baby and I, I wouldn't even look at the baby until they wrapped it up because I, I faint at that kind of stuff. But like when they gave me the baby wrapped up like in my arms, there was that unbelievable joy. But like for me, there was also this fear, this like uh, dread of like, I've got to take care of this kid for 18 years because that's where I'm cutting the line off, right there, eight, eight, 18. So, yeah. Sometimes they attend the service, and I just want to make sure we're clear. Um, you know. No, but, but you know what I'm saying? I, or, you know, we, when we bought our first house, you know, we had this plan and this thing, and, and, and it was kind of a dream of ours to own, own a home and, so we found this house. It was just a piece. I mean, it was just horrible. And we, we scraped everything we could together to buy it. And I, we were so happy to own our home. And yet when I signed the papers, there was still this sense of being, I was scared. I was, I was fearful. Is this resonating with anybody? Like, like for me, when I'd come to the times of great joy in my life, 
there was almost a, 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 um, a, an overwhelming sense of the gravity of the situation, what it really means. And so one of the, one of the assumptions in church is that I'm going to study all week and come up with a, a point or be able to explain something in a really good way and so that you go home and you go, oh, that made a lot of sense. I'm going to apply it to my life. But I, I think sometimes pastors do the scripture a disservice when they just don't have a point to force one. I feel like I've done that. Like, well, I got to have a point. But here's the thing. The mystery of the Bible in so many different ways, we can't, I mean, like, look, check out what they read. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, honestly, we can't even begin to fathom what it's like to be known before we're known. Our brains can't comprehend that. And, and like for us, mystery and, and misunderstanding is all just a matter of time. Well, if you'd explain it well enough, I'll get it. If you, it, it, once I have all the information, I'll be able to wrap my head around it. And yet there are topics in the Bible where that just will never, ever be the case. I, I, I always marvel, you know, someone says, I've never heard a good, ex- a good example of the Trinity. I'm kind of glad that there's no real good example of the Trinity. That brings me comfort. Because if, if God could just be an egg or, you know, the, the other examples, you, there's no way we can wrap our head around it. Listen to this. How precious are your, to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. In other words, David is saying, if I went to the beach and I just scooped up sand, and I just started taking one grain at a time, if I started saying, this, you're thinking about me here, 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 I could go through the whole ocean. And, you know, sand isn't just on the dry. You know, it goes into the water, too. So there's, like, even more sand. I mean, you know how much sand there is? Like, this is the point David is making. And so, the, the, to make matters worse, is in the Bible, when it talks about joy... It's like even taking that to a new level. Oftentimes, and and what I'm hoping to do this morning is to tell you my struggle this week of trying to wrap my head around it so that you'll be burdened this week and try to understand what is it about God that should fill me with joy? And don't call me either. No, I'm just joking, right? (laughs) So, so when the Bible talks about joy, it even makes it worse. Oftentimes it says with great joy, complete joy. James uh, chapter 1 says, consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. It's, it's, there's this inexpressible and glorious joy. It's like, you know the joy you've been experiencing? Take that and double it. That's the kind of joy. And, and so when I was going through these verses, I'm like, I, I don't know how to explain that. And so, um, so I'm just going to share some stuff that I saw that I thought was really cool. Um, but let, let's, just, let's read this, this uh, prayer together. Gracious God, we joyfully praise you, O Lord 
for the fulfillment of your promise of a Savior and what that means in our lives. Thank you for the gift of salvation through the birth of your Son, Jesus. Help us today to understand the fullness of joy that comes in relationship with you. Help us see that you are the source of all we need. You are the source of joy. Amen. In Luke chapter 2 verse 10 is this famous thing about the angels talking about Jesus coming. And it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of, here it is again, great joy that will be for all people. There's an assumption in scripture that if you're a Christian, you're joyful. That's, that's the assumption scripture makes about us. As a matter of fact, we'll see it in a verse that is annoying <laughs> at how much Peter just assumes out of us, right? And, and so the angel says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This idea of great joy is mega joy. It's, it's like when you, it, it's like I've never been to prison and, and this is not a joke. This is not a joke. I knew they laughed in first I think they were laughing like, yeah, sure, you've never been to prison. But anyway, it's not a joke. But, but I would imagine if I were in prison that, that day of release, I, I don't know what that would, I don't know what it feels like, but I could imagine that would be like, that is great joy to me. Like if you were diagnosed with cancer or some deadly thing, and then they come back and they say, here are the results, and it's gone. Like, that's that mega joy. That's kind of how I, I would see it. Where you're just like, oh, like, like it was so bad before, and then to be free from it, that's, that's like this great joy, the angels. They're, they're like saying, hey, I'm coming to tell you, I'm giving you your papers. You're set free from prison. The judge handed you down a, 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 a release. The, 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 what you, the governor has released you or the president has signed this, what do they call that? Pardon. Yeah. He's pardoning you. Hey, get, we got this packet from the doctor. Oh, not a trace. That, that's how I see it. Or, or, or for men, you're with this team of guys. You've been going all season long, blood, sweat, and two seconds left, you hit a buzzer beater for the championship. Like that kind of joy of like all that hard work, all that stuff, all the days. And, and as you go back to the time in prison, in the cell, when you're out, you're like, oh, I am so happy to be out. Or as you kind of go to the doctor or whatever and you go back to that time of, 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 of when you were first diagnosed with whatever it was and now it's gone and you're like, ah. Oh. There's this sense of enormity that fuels this joy. And I, John, in John chapter 15, when I was going over this week, I decided that we're doing a, we're going to do a series on John chapter 15, uh, a four or six week series on just what Jesus has to say to his disciples as he's trying to just give them the last 
thing. Like, his, like, like if, you were, if you knew you were going to die and you got your kids and your friends around you and you wanted to say something, this is what he's saying. And, 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 and he says it this way in John 15, 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. Like, like, like you've taken possession of this joy that, that this is, you are now identified by joy. And, and it begs the question, this is why I don't, we didn't really have a point. Is this me? Like, am I, like if you were to describe me, would you say he's a man of joy? He's, he, you know, is this me? And he says, not only that my joy may be in you, that, that your joy may be complete you see this throughout, uh, this is in John, you see this same word and same idea used in, in uh, other portions of first and second and third John. Uh, I don't know about third John, but first and second. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I, I just, throughout the week, I was thinking, Lord, what, what do I have to do? What needs to get out of the way? What needs to be given up so that no matter what happens, I'm a man of joy? I mean, could you imagine, guys, honestly, a church that's marked by joy? Like a church that is connected with this Jesus who says, my joy's in you and it's complete. What that church would look like? What that church would be talking about? What, what would motivate a church like that? It's awesome. So I found this verse in Matthew that I, I think begins to give us some insight into this joy. And, and um, I'll, I'll set it up for us. Jesus had this three-year ministry. Ma'am, if we could leave the lights alone, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I'm just playing. Okay. Uh, uh, she accidentally hit her head on it and then the lights went off. Okay, so that was just my own fun. Okay. Um, uh, but, but imagine you're, you're in ministry with somebody for three years and you're starting to get the idea that they might be the Messiah. That they might be... I mean, you're seeing people get healed. You're seeing lepers not being leprous. You're seeing uh, people who are dead not being dead. I mean, you're just like, man. And, and then he dies. And you're like, what? Like, it's hard for us to understand the feeling they must have. Number one, they lost a dear friend. Number two, they had such great hopes that this was it. And he just dies. I think you, you watch, they watched him die on a cross. And that sense of loss and the sense of fear and the sense of man, you know, and, and the sense of kind of sh- maybe a little bit of shame or feeling stupid. Like, I followed this guy for three years and he's dead. And then the women go, and they, 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 they find the tomb empty. And this verse is so awesome. It's in Matthew 28, 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. I'm like, that totally describes me. Like, that's it. Like this is, when I got married, I was afraid, yet filled with joy. When we had our first kid and our second kid and our third kid like babies coming out everywhere I was afraid yet filled with joy when I bought the house which now has no doesn't it's neither here nor there but at the time I was afraid yet filled with joy I mean that's what happens they're like 
It's like this sense of he's, he's risen. Wait a minute. Do you know what that means? And I think this is kind of that connection with us with joy. Is that God, the, the resurrection is this source of joy for us. It, it means that when, when Christ was raised from the dead, our sin, he conquered sin. And he conquered death. And so this God we read about that, you know, if we rise on the wings of the dawn, if we settle from the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. In other words, he's everywhere. He knows everything. This, this God of holiness and magnificence and a God we can't even begin to wrap our head around. Like once we understand the, the enormity of being separated from that God, and the sense of being trapped in our sin and, and having no hope. And I started asking myself this question, why don't I feel joy sometimes? And I think it's because I'm not rejoicing in that resurrection. I'm not connected with my salvation. I think the enormity of salvation fuels joy. When you understand, when I understand, when I really begin to think, man, he didn't have to do this. And he does it. And I'm saved. That's where the joy fuels up. I want to read a, a section of scripture that, I mean, so many times in my walk, I've been exactly where those women are. Afraid yet filled with joy. When, when, we, when we decided, when, when when we knew Living Spring was the church that we were going to end up ministering in, and I had to go to my company and tell them I'm quitting and I'm going into ministry, uh, like that whole transition was exactly this. Like, this is it. Like, this is, this is it. We've been talking about it for years, 10 years, and, and this is it. I was scared to death. And yet I was filled with joy. To, to this day, I'm, I'm kind of, haven't lost the fear part. Um, uh, but, but check out what First Peter says. And this was the section of scripture that got me. It got me really asking the question. Hopefully you'll be able to solve it for yourself this week. First Peter 1.8. Look, look at what Peter is saying. Oh, you're a Christian? This is true about you. Watch. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I thought, man, would I describe my joy as inexpressible and glorious? Now, the other things are true. I haven't seen him and I do love him. I love the Lord. And even though I don't see him now, I believe in him. Absolutely. Absolutely I do. Would I describe my joy as inexpressible and glorious? Not always. So why? Like why would I ever let anything bother me in reality? Like if I serve the God of the universe and he's called me and he formed me within my mother's womb and he thinks about me more than there are grains of sand, what could possibly take my joy away? And 
And I think it's found in verse 9. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We go back to this idea of salvation being the source of joy, being the thing that I I think when I lose my sense of joy, I'm forgetting that I was saved from eternity without God. I've I've lost that, that connection. And my, I, I start thinking that my joy should be from something else. My joy should be from my circumstances or from my ministry or from my marriage or whatever. And, and, and it, it seems like Peter's going, man, if we're connected to our salvation, if we're connected to the fact that we were lost and then found, there'll be no end to our joy. Matter of fact, when you look at Jesus and he starts telling all these parables about the kingdom of God, and he starts saying the kingdom of heaven is like this, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. Most often it's about something that was lost, that was found, and there's joy there. And so you'll see a lot of these scriptures about, oh man, uh, you know, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a, uh, a man who finds a pearl of great price in this field. And so he sells everything he has and he returns with joy to buy that field because now he's got this, this pearl. That's kind of the idea. And so what Peter's saying is, are you connected with your salvation? And, and, and so this week I've had the pleasure of reconnecting myself with my salvation, you know, as I've been studying and getting through this, of just going, yeah, I think I need to start there. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Like, I would have nothing now if not for Jesus. And and then you begin to sense this sense of joy, and you start going, you know, what? What can harm me? He, he, that's where it says in 2 Corinthians, death, where is your victory? Where's your sting? What are you, you going to do? And in that whole section, it says, you know, we were sown a perishable body, but we'll be raised an imperishable body. I mean, the reason I know it is because I do funerals. And that's the section we use all the time. Is this sown a perishable body, raised an imperishable body. This idea that, yeah, this is only for just a second. And then we spend eternity with God. Now watch, I'm going to read another long section of scripture. So hang in there. Because First John really, really kind of gets us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, this is the beginning of 1 John. Let me just ask you a quick question. Is this making sense? <laughs> All this? Am I, is everyone tracking with me? Okay, I was a little nervous. Because uh, I don't know if I'm tracking with me. Okay, check us out. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning. J- John is talking about Jesus now. Which we have heard. L- listen to what he's saying. Which we've heard which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and with our hands we've touched, okay? This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim it to you, uh, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. I mean, Okay, John, we get it. We, we understand. You're saying what you've seen and heard. He says it three times. What we've seen, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and that our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so check this out. John's setting up this thing of like, guys, you gotta, we've experienced this. We've seen it. We've heard it. We've touched it. This is, this is eternal life found in Jesus. This is it. Now, in verse 4, 
he says the thing that when I first read it confused me. He says this, we write this to make our joy complete. I thought, aren't you writing this to make my joy complete? Like, like, like he's writing to, to us, right? He, if you got a letter, he says, you know, which we've heard, seen, got it, seen and heard, got it, heard and seen, got it. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. There is something about getting so connected with our salvation that this joy overflows and that we re-gift to others and that we see their salvation makes our joy complete. See, oftentimes what happens in the church, and it's happened to me a thousand times, I've come to Christ. I've come to the, and then I start growing in Christ and the growing and the learning and the ministry and this and that and the books gets more important than my salvation. And so I have to continually get back to that. I have to see people come to Christ. I've got to see, oh, I remember that. See, you see what John's trying to say? He's saying, guys, when we as a community, all of us, are, are, are sharing what we've seen and what we've heard, and it's bubbling over with us, and, and, and we're seeing people's lives change, it makes our joy complete. If we want to see it be a church that, that's a joyful church, that's overflowing, we're going to be seeing people come to Christ. If not, we're going to become lethargic. We're going to become self-centered. We're going to be looking at ourselves going, oh, I, I wanted it this way. I wanted it that way. Uh, it almost like I was going to slam this down. I wasn't. I was, I was just trying to, th- I was going to put it on my head to think. I was trying to think of how to say this. I, I, yeah, I know. Everybody was like, oh, man, don't throw it over here. I wasn't going to. I'll put it down here. I was, I was trying to do this. What I've noticed in my own life is when I'm sharing the joy that Christ is doing in my own life, when I really believe it, when I'm in touch with my, this is why Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, like those who realize they have nothing. When I'm that way and I'm sharing my faith, my joy becomes complete. When I'm not, when I'm focused on myself, when I'm looking around and things aren't the way I want and I'm, I'm, I'm focused, and this happens a lot for pastors where they, you know, you want a certain thing and you want, and it's not happening. I, I quickly lose my joy. It's because salvation, the resurrection, Jesus dying and conquering sin and death so that we could have relationship with him is the source of joy for us. And so it's vitally important that we go back to this kind of our birthplace almost. Our, our time when we said, yeah, I was lost, but now, now I'm found. I'll pick up my Bible. Everything's safe now. Um, and and so, so here's the thing. I want to read one more verse that just really kind of ties it all together. Um, and Alex, if you want to come up, that'd be great. Psalm fifty-one, twelve. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is David's prayer. 
God, would you, would you, would you restore to me? Would you give me that joy I had when you first set me free? Would you, uh, would you just allow, and, and now some of you have come to Christ. It's almost like you've been a Christian your whole life you know, um, where there really was no like, oh man, I did this and this and this and this and now I've been set free. It still applies. Basically what David is saying is connect me. Connect me to my salvation. Connect me to the fact that I was destined for hell and I've been set free. Connect me to that. I want to feel that again. I want to be, I want to be a, a person that, that overflows with that joy and re-gifts it and says, hey, I, let me tell you what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've experienced because I want you to be a part of this and I'm saying this to make our joy complete. That we would all experience this. That we'd be a community that experiences this. 